investing in property makes sense. Investing in the right property takes knowledge. Welcome to the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. I'm Jared McCabe, Director of Wakeland Property Advisory. Join me for expert insights into the fundamentals, trends and opportunities to help you create long-term wealth through smart property decisions. Hi everyone and thank you for joining me for episode 16 of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. So the market is certainly back up and running now. Um, We've uh, now had a couple of weeks by the time the podcast comes out of one-on-one private inspections occurring and they seem to be working really well. Uh, Agents are uh, conducting themselves and being very organised, making sure that they've got appointments back-to-back, trying to get as many buyers through as possible. It's certainly very labour-intensive market from an agent's perspective uh, and you do need to make sure that you're on time to your appointments because if you're not, you'll be put to the back of the queue um, because there's usually another buyer ready to go in. So it's look, it's a bit of a military process, but um, it's certainly better than being stuck inside and it certainly gives a lot of buyers far more confidence when they're entering the market. Um, and you're typically finding too that most of the buyers that are making appointments from uh, from what I'm hearing are genuine. Most people aren't just going out and uh, having a wander through homes like we tend to do when uh, open for inspections are there. So it's it's certainly far more genuine buyers, which is making that side of things a little bit easier as well. Um, so as discussed previously, the market um, is going to be a little bit different for the remainder of this year anyway, and hopefully by the time we get into 2022, we'll get to back get back to some form of normality. Um, but there's going to be a number of differences, obviously, with differing methods of sale, particularly for different types of properties, which is what we'll talk about today. Um, very much differing inspection processes. So at the moment, we're at private one-on-ones. That'll probably be eased at some point in time, or we'll get back to being able to perhaps have 10 people uh, in a property at one time, but subject to uh, density requirements, and then hopefully back to a bit more flexibility around numbers in properties. And obviously, obviously at the moment, differing campaign lengths too. We're certainly finding that um, after a couple of weeks of properties being online for a while, um, that there's not the need to have a full four-week campaign and a lot of agents are bringing things forward and, and properties are selling quite quickly. It's almost that the uh, the market uh, or the buying process is working in an inverted fashion in that normally you would do your inspection, then you'd go away and, and do your homework, um, do your due diligence, look at getting contracts checked, getting building inspections organised, figuring out your budgets, those sorts of things. But at the moment, most people have done that while they've been falling in love with properties online and they've been doing all of the due diligence and and, uh, background work that they can do. And rather than being the first part of the buying process, the inspection's becoming the last part. Once they've done that, they're generally in a position to to move and uh, and put in an offer or participate in in an auction if that's the method of sale. But one thing what we have noticed uh, during these uh, lockdown periods is that um, particularly over the last 18 months, is that expressions of interest have become far more popular in these uncertain times. And there's another number of reasons for that. They, uh, they offer a number of benefits for agents and for vendors. Um, and you typically find normally uh, expressions of interest are reserved for higher priced or properties that are a little bit unique in terms of their, their market value. Um, so what we've found is that they, they find, or well, agents and vendors find that there's a greater level of control with, uh, with an expression of interest, particularly on those differing opinions of value. Um, but also you can go down uh, a couple of avenues. You could look at conducting it more as a private sale, but if you've got multiple parties, it's easy to um, revert to a, an online auction or a Zoom auction. Um, and that's good too if you've got differing levels of interest. So if you've got a, uh, a, a lot of people involved, you might go one way. If you've got less people involved, you might go another. 
So there's greater flexibility there and you can potentially move dates and times and things as well. So that flexibility in the current climate um, that an expression of interest offers uh, is making them a little bit more popular. Um, but from a buyer's perspective, they can lead to a lot of uncertainty because many people that um, that are buying property at the moment are very unfamiliar with the expression of interest and it can be a little bit daunting as well and not sure how it works. So there are a lot of questions that need to be asked by a buyer before you go down the path of being involved in an expression of interest campaign. So how does it work? How should I approach it? Um, how many questions, or sorry, how many chances do I get at buying this property? Uh, and um, do I need to wait until the uh, conclusion or the expression of interest date closes before I could submit an offer? So there's a lot of uncertainty there. So that's what I thought we'd do today is have a look at um, how to successfully navigate that process and, and what are some of the, the questions and steps that you should um, ask yourself when uh, before you do get involved. So one of the first steps that you need to remember is that all agents handle an expression of interest differently. Um, and not all... Uh, and I'll get to this in the stories, interestingly enough, today, but not all agencies um, actually handle it the same way either. There's sometimes you can find that agents within an agency will approach an expression of interest in a different manner to another one. So you can never assume that, okay, I've dealt with an expression of interest with this agency before, um, or I've dealt with an expression of interest just any agency before. I know how I'm going to do this and I know what I'm going to do because everyone will be different. So you need to seek clear instructions on the process. Um, in, in terms of um, how, how this process is going to play out, agents who do um, handle expressions of interest on a regular basis, they quite often have an information sheet and lay out what's required and what you're going to need to do to be involved in this process, and which is always good and it makes it a lot more um, transparent and you can then put your plan and your strategies in place um, to work within that. So let's have a look at some of the questions that you should ask um, if you're going into uh, one of these campaigns. First one, which is pretty standard with most, is to, to get a copy of the contract and is it available yet? Now, if it's not available, um, that will answer a few questions down the track too in that an offer can't be secured if there's not a contract to write it up on. It could be um, taken off the market to a degree if the vendor is prepared to accept that, but it's not going to be binding. So is the contract available yet? See if you can find out what level of competition is around for this type of property. So asking questions around um, single parties, multiple parties, and what will the differing approaches be if there are multiple parties versus if I'm the only person. Now, an agent's not necessarily going to disclose that, but there's ways and means of asking questions to get as much information as you possibly can. Then you need to try and get a bit of an understanding around the vendor's expectations. So sometimes they'll be well and truly within the quote range. Uh, an expression of interest quote is very different to an auction quote. Um, and so that if you've got a good understanding as to where the um, where the vendor's expectations will sit, um, is it likely to go beyond the the, uh, the quote range, which is quite regularly the case with an auction, or is it likely to sit within that, that quoted price? Uh, and where would the vendor be prepared to sell? So Getting that um, information is always helpful. Again, it may not be as clear cut as a defined figure, but asking the right questions can bring about what um, what those results might be or what that, that, um, that figure might be. Um, you then need to look at any conditions and whether or not they could be um, off-putting from a vendor's point of view. So do you need any finance conditions inserted into the contract? Do you, are you able to buy the property subject to a building inspection or do you need to get the building inspection done prior to? 
um, is there any information in the contract of sale that's missing that you might need further that, that the agent or the, uh, the vendor or solicitor may need to chase up for you? Um, and does, does there need to be any alteration? So has your solicitor suggested that some of the clauses in there are, are a little onerous and need to be removed? So getting all of that sort of thing sorted and, and understanding whether or not that's going to be done. Again, a lot of these are questions that you would ask at this point in time, whether it was a private sale, an auction, or an expression of interest, but you need to get these sorted in the expression of interest process before you start submitting an offer. Settlement, um, as with anything, is there a preference from the vendor's point of view? And that's quite often a good question, particularly if from a buyer's point of view, you've got a degree of flexibility. Um, because what you don't want, if you do have that flexibility, is to miss out on a property because of your settlement terms. And that can be the case where um, settlement for, for some vendors is just as important as the price or a very, very close second. So um, if you can uh, determine that, you can make sure that that's not a reason that you're going to miss out on the property. Um, the time frame. So this is where you start to get more specific on the expression of interest. Do you do we need to wait until the conclusion date um, before the vendor would make a decision? So sometimes you, if you put in an offer early and it's acceptable, the vendor will draw it to a head at that point and uh, it doesn't need to. Others will say they want their full day in the sun. So they are going to go the whole length of the campaign and give, every, give everyone the chance to put an offer forward um, and we won't be doing anything before that X date at that Y time. So getting understanding of that um, also helps from a, creating a strategy uh, as to how you're going to submit your offer and when. Um, and then there comes to the offer process and there are a couple of elements to this. So questions along the lines of how many opportunities am I going to get? So am I going to just have to put in a best and final and that's it? Uh, it'll be putting it in, will then it'll be opening up everyone's best and final offers and the vendor will then make the decision. Or will you refer back to me and give me an opportunity once because someone else is slightly above or at around the same level? Are you sure that's your best price or we've got something that's better than yours? Can you submit something higher? It's really important from a strategic perspective to get a clear understanding as to how that's going to work. Will offers be disclosed to other parties? And that sounds like it could be a silly one, but if they're going to come back to you and say, well, you put in $1 million, we've got an offer of a million and 20, would you like to increase? Well, they're disclosing offers in that point. So getting an understanding of, of what the transparency is going to involve is really important as well. Now, the other thing is, if there is multiple parties, does that differ the process and will they change things? So um, will that then mean that and a lot of agents will do this, they'll therefore revert it. If we've got one or multiple parties at a similar level, they'll revert it to a Zoom auction um, in the current climate to, to provide that transparency um, so that people can see that they're not actually bidding against themselves. There is other parties there that are genuinely looking to buy the property. Um, just because some parties do that doesn't mean others will. They'll still make it be a highest and best. So getting a, an understanding of that is, is really, really important. Um, and then how do we? How am I going to submit this offer? So some agents are more than happy to just take your offer as a, a verbally, so via a phone call. Others are happy with it being a text message. Others will require it on an email. So what does this agent need? And again, the information sheet, if it's been provided, will most likely state that. 
Um, and then what format does that offer need to be submitted on? So is it just a, a typed out email stating your figure, stating your deposit, your settlement, any special conditions, those sorts of things? Um, does it need to be submitted on a specific form? A lot of agents will have a, um, a template that they'll use and they'll send that out and you'll just need to complete that. And then if you are the successful candidate, then they would write it up onto a contract. Whereas others will actually require you to draw it up on a contract and fill that out and do it properly. Now, if you're not sure how to do that, the agent will most likely help you to do that. But if you would like someone um, more working on your behalf, then either seek professional advice or perhaps your solicitor conveyancer might be able to assist you with that as well. So making sure you've got all of those elements um, is really important. And once you've got that clear understanding as to how all of this process works and what the, this agent, how this agent is handling it, then you can go towards your strategy. And when, you, when you're looking at your strategy and how you're going to offer, you can, you can determine um, whether or not you want to submit your offer early or whether you're going to hold back um, and wait to the last minute. So by going early, the strategy may be to try and catch other buyers off guard. They're not ready. They've still got to do further due diligence. Um, and you've got a, an offer that the vendor is prepared to accept. Um, do you need to go as high as you can up front? So do you submit your highest and best on your first go because perhaps you feel as though you may not be um, a chance to, to buy it if it gets um, if it keeps going and there's a lot of competition it might be stretching you so that might be our, well let's get in early and get our highest and best up there to give ourselves a chance because if it goes to a zoom auction or if it goes to the last minute we feel as though we're going to get um, we're going to miss out on the property so just another way to look at it as well um, or do you submit your offer, but keep money up your sleeve. And again, if, if there's likely to be a, uh, an opportunity to put in a second offer, then that's probably the strategy you would take, is that you're not going to go um, as hard as you can on the first offer. You'll, you'll look more to um, hold a little bit back. So you really do need to answer these questions um, to get a clear understanding. And once you've got that, you that, that strategy can really be implemented. Um, now, if you do still feel after getting all of that advice or that information that you're unsure, seek professional advice. Uh, it might seem like a um, significant um, outlay, but if you're getting the right advice, they should, the, the advocate, the advisor, whoever it is that's representing you, even if it's a family member or a solicitor, um, whatever you feel comfortable with, they should be saving you money anyway or taking that emotion out of the process. And that can quite often be the case in terms of, oh, well, I don't want to miss out. I need to put in the highest offer I can. But if someone else who's independent of you um, sees things perhaps a little bit more clearly and can, and can give you uh, a bit more strategy around why you're better off not doing that or why you're better off going down a different avenue. So it's not necessarily about... Um, someone knows it better than you, it's sometimes it's more having a clear head with an unemotional approach to it. Okay, so let's have a look at today's um, story. Um, so during one of the recent lockdowns, um, I'm, I've lost count to be honest as to which one it was, but I was negotiating uh, two expression of interest campaigns at the same time. Um, it was really interesting at that point in time because in a normal market, neither of these two properties would have sold in this manner. They would have both absolutely gone to an auction um, and they both would have had good competition on them um, at, at an auction at the front of the property. Um, both these properties were in similar price brackets. They were both in the same suburb, um, a little bit different in terms of their nature, but they were in the same suburb. Same agency was handling both sales, um, but different agents on each each sale. So the interesting thing, the thing here was um, 
both handled the expression of interest quite differently. So the first one stated that they were um, going to receive offers and it was going to be a, uh, a highest and best by a certain time, but that the first person to submit the highest offer, um, or an acceptable offer, I should say, um, would get last right of refusal. So I got our offer in um, fairly quickly and got that opportunity, um, but still obviously kept money up our sleeve because we we felt as though we would get a second crack at it. Now, in the end with this one, I didn't need to. Our first offer was, um, was successful, so that was great. Uh, we purchased it off that single offer. Um, and given the way the market was heading at that point in time, it was certainly starting to really build and there was some, some momentum there. Uh, we decided, uh, it, we felt as though we bought that extremely well and, and in hindsight, we absolutely did. It's, um, it's certainly going to be ticking along quite well, that property. Now, the second one, that was for a, um, for a, a home buyer and so was the second, the second one as well. Um, the agent in this case decided that if they had multiple parties, they were going to revert the campaign to a Zoom auction. Um, and so once they received an acceptable offer, um, they would then notify everyone else that the uh, that an acceptable offer had been received and that at five o'clock the next evening, there would be an ex- uh, a Zoom auction conducted and you would have a link sent. So that's exactly what happened. Um, someone submitted an offer. Uh, five o'clock the next day, we had a Zoom auction. There was four other parties involved in this Zoom auction and uh, we were successful in purchasing that property as well. But that was under a lot more competition and there was uh, a number of uh, other buyers there ready to go. But in the end, it really was um, an auction more than an expression of interest campaign. But that's the way um, they agent decided to conduct it. It offered the flexibility, the expression of interest that if they perhaps didn't have multiple parties that they would still have had a, uh, an acceptable level. But buyers appreciated it as well uh, because it, it provided the transparency that, that most buyers are, are looking for and crave from an agent's point of view. So it, it worked in that regard that it gave them the flexibility, but by converting it back to the, to the auction process, um, buyers felt comfortable with it as well. So two different ways of looking at it, but also two um, important questions to ask um, as a buyer to make sure that we were uh, able to put a strategy in place that suited each scenario. So that's it for today's podcast. Thanks very much for joining me for episode 16. Feel free to uh, share the podcast as always with family and friends, trying to get as many um, followers and get it listened to by as many people as possible. And obviously, as always, if you would like further information on how to make rewarding property decisions, please visit our website, wakeland.com.au. And we wish you all the best with your property decisions.